Hey, what is up, soccer fans all over the world? Welcome to another episode of the Saudi Soccer Show. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Lofermento, joined by the voice of soccer in America, Nick Webster. Nick, the transfer window's closed. We can finally focus on football. How are you feeling today? Well, I'm feeling exceptional, Brian. For those of you watching on video, I am rocking the Al Nassar Cristiano Ronaldo home shirt. And I gotta say, fits me very snugly. I, I kind of look, look buff in it. So I'm all about Ronaldo today. Is that the key behind Ronaldo's buffness? Just wear a shirt that's one size too small and you're looking good. <laughs> Brian, one size too small? Don't you mean I just fill it out nicely? <laughs> that's one way to put it. Well, today I'm so excited about what we're going to be chatting about because the transfer window has closed. The international break is over at last. It's back to club football. And as we've eased back into it, you and I are taking a look back at a very active summer transfer window for the Saudi Pro League. Nick, we've got to start with the winner of the window. So many signings. Give us an overview before we really dive in. A lot of money spent, a lot of big names from all over the world coming to the Saudi Pro League. What are your thoughts as the window has closed? Well, it was very controversial, number one, because the Saudi window was open six days longer than the European window. And many, many managers, especially in the English Premier League, very unhappy that many of their players were getting tapped up even after the window has closed. And, you know, you and I discussed the uh, potential move of a certain Mo Salah uh, the money being offered was just mind-boggling. It went from 150 million to 200 million. Liverpool dug in firm, but I would imagine the Saudis will be back during the transfer window in January. I think the interesting thing for me is how is FIFA going to manage these transfer windows? Because I think from a sporting point of view, every window should be the same. Nick, I want to ask you this, actually, because it's an interesting way to start the show is that you hear Jurgen Klopp, for example. I'm going to call him out because he's one of the most outspoken people saying that the Saudi transfer window shouldn't close afterwards. And by the way, there are other countries like Turkey, for example, where Manchester United seems to be turning towards to send some of our unwanted stars. But Jurgen Klopp called out the Saudi Pro League's transfer window. And Nick, I almost want to say that it was a disadvantage for Saudi clubs, because I think if if they had made their move for Mo Salah while the European window was still open, they may have got their man. Like you said, they're definitely going to come back in for him. And I almost think that not having an opportunity to replace these stars meant that clubs held on. And, and those extra six days in the Saudi Pro League, I'm not sure we saw much action during those. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting point of view because many clubs like to get business done early. Uh, I think we saw that with a, with a couple of certainly in the English Premier League. And the reason they want to get done early is so they can have a preseason with their brand new players and really start working on, you know, their, their tactics and their brand and their culture. Waiting until the last moment, I, th I think, is a, is a double-edged sword, Brian. Sometimes you can get that deal because clubs become desperate for the money, desperate to sell. And other times, though, it just signifies a desperation on the part of the buying club and gives the selling club that opportunity to up, 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 up. And I think that's what we saw with, with Mo Salah because it, you know, it started at 150, went to 200. What is the January transfer window gonna look like for this, uh, for this Egyptian superstar? 250 million? I mean, that was the kind of money that was being offered for Kylian Mbappe, who is 24 years of age, Mo Salah 31. But who's to say that when January doesn't open, 
that that number doesn't become a 250 number. Yeah, and as a Manchester United fan, I can't help but talk about a really interesting side of the European window, which is once the window slams shut, players are essentially stuck at their clubs, even if they remain unhappy or out of favor or out of the side altogether. We saw it with Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously, that paved the way for him to come to the Saudi Pro League last year, and that was when the transfer window was shut, and he obviously had a mutual termination of his contract, ended up going to Al Nassar, as you are rocking on your back here today. Today, but we saw it again with the likes of Jaden Sancho. Sounds like a narrow miss at the end of the window, out of favor, out of form at United in the English Premiership, and almost ended up in the Saudi Pro League. But it didn't quite happen, Nick. So a lot to talk about for sure with regards to the duration of the window, with regards to the signings. But we've got to start. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Who won the window, Nick? For me, Al Ittihad. Quite simply, by signing one of the top three players in the world. Yes, he hasn't played yet, Neymar, but I think that this this signing was such a signing of intent. It was a statement. It was, we are a legitimate league. We will be a top five league within the next year or two. Uh, 90 million euros, heck of a lot of money, and that doesn't even include the salary and the perks that were really quite bizarre. But you know what? When you're Neymar, you can get away with it. Uh, Malcolm came from Zenit. And he was not cheap either, 60 million euros, a Brazilian like Neymar. So those two obviously going to get along very well. Uh, Jorge Jesus, who is the manager, is Portuguese, so language won't be uh, a problem. Ruben Neves, who came from Wolves for 56 million euros. I'm not sure if Neves is completely settled in yet. So I think there's there's a, a little bit of betting in that's going to happen with him. Alexandra Mitrovic, to me, made the biggest splash. I mean, he scored a hat-trick in the derby, 52 million euros. He's already scored four on the season. Uh, I always thought he was a good player at Fulham. It was a shame how his uh, career in the Premiership ended with the uh, with the referee controversy. But, I, you know, I, I really like him as a striker. I think he's going to score goals on a consistent basis. Uh, Savage, who came from Lazio, is a real lovely player. I think he's he's got the, he's got the real qualities to be that defensive shield for um, El Itihad. And for 40 million euros, I think he was quite cheap. Kubali, who came from Chelsea, another one where I'm kind of like, the, the, the jury's still out for me. Um, I thought when he played in Italy, he was he was definitely one of the top defenders in the world. Uh, Chelsea, he obviously struggled. Um, they've got him kind of on the cheap for 23, 23 million euros. So. Um, I think there's, there's, there's parts of Koulibaly's career and he needs to certainly come back and show that he really is one of the premier defenders in world football. Bono was signed just a couple of days before the, uh, the window ended from Sevilla. And we know what Sevilla have done in the uh, Europa League, um, won it five times out of six, and Bono, a huge part of that. And also, for, for those of you that paid close attention to the World Cup, he was Morocco's goalkeeper, and <laughs> one of the main reasons why Morocco made it to the semifinals. At 31 years of age, he's so young for a goalkeeper. So we know that goalkeepers actually start getting better as they get older. I think 21 million euros is a good deal for him. And then finally... We've got Tambakti, who came from Al-Shabaab, one of the few Saudi players that was transferred for large amounts of money, 11 and a half million. He's a centre-back. He'll partner up with Kubali. And 
I think that if Jorge Zeus can get these two players working together with that with that savage triangle, defensive triangle, El Itihad are going to be very, very tough to beat. Yeah, Nick, I'm going to correct you there. You keep giving a shout out to Al Idihad, the defending champions. Obviously, we're talking about Al Hilal just now. And I want to ask you this, Nick. Are you talking about Al Hilal's transfer window? Or did you just name an entirely new starting 11 here on the air? <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me for that, Brian. Yes, I got myself a little confused there with the excitement. Yeah, I mean, look, we've, we've got so many players coming in. And I think that it, it really it does take time for these players to get to know one another. However, we're seeing from, from uh, results already that there is a chemistry forming and the, that, that this, this outfit is, is going to be there or thereabouts at the top of the league. We're not talking third, fourth or fifth looking for that, you know, Champions League place. This is a team that's going to be challenging for the title. Yeah, and already we can see it here on screen right now. Al-Halal already top of the league at the international break. 13 points level with Al-Tawun, which Al-Itihad defending champions down in third at the moment, but just a point behind. So yeah, you're right. Al-Halal has not only had incredible signings, but gosh, have they meshed. You gave a shout out in there to Alexander Mitrovic, who came from Fulham. And yeah, the goals are already raining in for him. Nick, I can't help but also point out to me one of the winners of the Window. It has to be Al Ali. I mean, we talk about actually Al Halal. Before we move on, you just mentioned five out of six Europa leagues for Sevilla, but five out of the top six signings this summer were made by Al Halal, with only Otavio heading to Al Nassar in between there. So just crazy numbers being thrown out there by Al Halal as they assemble their new squad. But I do want to give out the shout out to my winners of the window, Al Ali. I just think that the attacking prowess that they've seen. Last week, you were a little, little critical of Saudi Pro League defenders. And when we look at the attacking skills throughout the league, it doesn't get better than Al Ali. I mean, these are huge coups. You look at Riyad Mahrez up top with Alan St. Maximin. That's an incredible duo to have coming over from the Premier League and lighting it up. But also central midfield reinforcements. I'm a big fan. I always, anytime we talk about Al Ali, I bring up Frank Kessie. He was incredible in the Serie A for AC Milan. They also added the likes of Gabri, who caught a lot of flack from certain Spanish internationals when he made the signing. Iker Casillas called it an embarrassment on social media when he signed for Al-Ali. So a lot to be said there, but again, when we look at the league table, we see Al-Ali sitting in fourth place, just one point off the top. A lot of things going on this summer, Nick. What do you think looking at the landscape? Obviously, four of these clubs have the backing of the public investment fund, but there can only be one winner at the end of it. A lot of big names to go around. Well, I mean, you mentioned Al Ali. Uh, you didn't mention Roberto Firmino. He scored an at-trick on the opening day of the season. And crucially for me, he was a free transfer. So the club definitely saving a little bit of money there. You mentioned Gabri, who was the most expensive signing from the club, 40 million euros. What I like about this signing, and, and, this, and this will shut up anybody who goes, oh yeah, players are going to the Saudi Pro League at the end of their career. He's 21 years of age. He's only just started, and, and this kid is, I, I, I'm telling you right now, is gonna be a superstar a superstar of global proportions. And when you've got the likes of, uh, you mentioned Mares, who was, I think, very expensive, 35 million euros. He's 32. One could say 
the best years are behind him. But I actually think that he's gonna he's gonna thrive within this environment. Um, Ibanez, uh, who came from Roma, very expensive, thirty one million euros. But once again, a very young player, just twenty four years of age. Some maximum, just twenty six years of age. So I'm saying El Ali. They are looking more actually to the younger players. They're in this for the long haul. This is not a quick, you know what, let's win the league and, you know, move these players on. These players are here for the long haul. Even Mendy, who, you know, had a rough time at Chelsea in his second season, I thought was very good in his first season, 28, 18, sorry, 18 million euros. He's only 31 years of age. So this this is this is a club that is is in my opinion building on youth. And when you look at their manager Matthias Yassi, the German, he's only thirty five years of age as well. So you know, part of me goes, you know, as a manager, you you don't want players of the same age because you may get the old well, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. But this this is a guy that I think can identify with his players uh, on, on so many different levels and. Uh, I, I really like what uh, Al Ali have done, and I mean, t to your point, they could be the wi the winners. Although I still think it's Hilal in the transfer window. Yeah, no, I love the perspective for sure. You gave a lot of shout outs, especially the one shout out I'm not willing to give, the former Liverpoolian Roberto Firmino. But you're right, that triumvirate up top for Al Ali puts them over the edge for me. Riyad Mahrez, come on. Alan St. Maximin, and yes, Firmino, who was the hat trick hero on opening day. It's incredible. And Nick, we could probably talk about these signings all day long, but I'm going to put you on the spot here for the. We're talking about clubs who are the winners of the window, but who is the transfer of the summer for you? Oh, that's such a tough question to, to, to really answer because, you know, there's so many unbelievable candidates. Um, you know, I, I really want to be able to say, I'd love to be able to say Neymar, but we haven't seen, we haven't seen him play yet. But my goodness me, I mean, that is such the marquee signing. Um, I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go with Mitrovic because I, I think that what he's done, he's been here just three games, four goals already, hat trick in, in the in the in the big Classico game, and just what what he's what he's already brought to the team, uh, it is is something that you don't often see from brand new players. Uh, usually there is that there is that adjustment period, and I, I would have I would have had this sneaking suspicion that he might have had an adjustment period, but he's slotted straight in doing the business immediately, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, I'm gonna throw someone else in the ring here. I'm gonna throw in, I'm gonna piggyback off your Al Halal love, and I'm gonna throw in Mitrovic in there, because obviously we see him banging in the goals. It's funny, you and I didn't talk about him as a golden boot contender at the beginning of the season. Obviously he signed a little bit later after the season started, but what stands out to me, I think we cannot gloss over a point that you already made here in today's episode, which is about age. We do see players in their 30s. Neymar, already in his 30s. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo in his late 30s. The man will never stop. But Mitrovic is 28 years old and not only came to the Saudi Pro League, but demanded to come to the Saudi Pro League. And I think that not only that true desire from him, but also the fact that he's backing it up with performances, that can't be understated. I think it's good for the league. I think it's great for what the example he's setting for other players. 
saying, hey, there's a different playing style. There's energy. There's excitement. There's culture here. Let's go there and let's ply our trade. And he's playing against the likes of, I mean, you look around the leagues at some of the defenders there and, and he's got Laporte, for example, is now at Al Nassar. There's so many big defensive signings as well that we didn't shout out. They're not always the sexiest signings, but the likes of Mitrovic, he's really showing, hey, I'm here to do the business. And that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, an excellent start and, and long may it continue. Yeah, for sure. Nick, we've got a call out. I've got a clear winner for this next topic that I want to hear your opinion about. And that is the flop signing of the summer. Now, obviously, it's early. So part of this is a little bit of a prediction. Part of it is a little bit of what we've observed from the first five fixtures of the season. Who are you putting the tail on the donkey on already? Well, unfortunately, it's a player that I've, I've really respected a lot when he was at Newcastle. He went to Liverpool and, and that's when all them. Uh, I was expecting a lot from him playing under Steven Gerrard. I would, I would have thought that the, the two of them would have got on very well together and he would have, he would have given that, that defensive shield that, that Gerrard so often wants. And, and really, when Oldham's a very similar player to Gerrard, and he really, he really hasn't done it for me so far. Uh, yeah, he didn't cost a lot of money. You know, he came across from PSG, uh, where he had a pretty unsuccessful season. So I'm wondering if uh, Georgie Wijnaldum's kind of lost the plot a little bit. He is 32, uh, which is quite old for a player that, you know, is a, is a box-to-box type of player. Um, I want to see. I want to see a lot more from him in the in the coming weeks. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that perspective. Again, there's just so many players that we can point at with Champions League experience. I mean, we didn't even give a shout out. Obviously, we haven't talked about Al Shabab just yet, but Yannick Carrasco, for example, coming over from Atletico Madrid. Nick, I think it's funny we've talked about transfers this long, and neither of us have said the words. Kareem Benzema. There's so many to choose from on the good side, but you're right. Now we're talking about the flops. I've got an obvious one, Nick. I'm surprised that you pinned the tail on Wijnaldum here instead of pointing towards one of Al Itihad's signings, which is Jota. Now, Jota came over from Celtic for 29 million euros. And if fans missed this news, he's not registered to play in the squad this season. This domestic season, he has missed out on registration because they've signed too many new players. And their manager, former Wolves boss, Nuno Espirito Santo, has excluded Jota from their roster. It's crazy, Nick. He played in their first few fixtures. You were consistent about giving him shout outs. He's been in decent form, but what has gone wrong there? Well, I mean, look, there, there's already rumblings uh, with Benzema and some of his teammates. And the reason is quite simple. You know, who's the star of the team? Uh, Jota, I think, has, has let his ego get in the way. Um, I mean, and it's funny, you know, Espirito Santo, the, the manager, I mean, he's Portuguese. He should, he should know everything there is to know about Jota. But from what I'm hearing, there's, there's, there's a lot of rumblings within the team and people are unhappy that Benzema is getting all the plaudits when perhaps he doesn't deserve it. Uh, he was a free transfer though. So let's, let's, let's get that one straight. Although he's probably on, you know, astronomical wages. He is 35. Uh, look, he's won the Champions League four times in the last seven years with Real Madrid. Um, and I think he's entitled to be, I'm the man. But what you have to understand is on every team, they, there's only room for one, I'm the man. 
And, and the team has to coalesce around that fact. You know, we, we, we certainly see it with Al Nassar and Ronaldo. Yeah, he's 37, 38 years of age, but he's the man. So I think that Espirito Santo has got to get his team together and, and really just kind of lay down the law and explain what the project is, who the superstar of the team is, who the deference should be shown to, and, and it is Benzema. Yeah, I couldn't agree more there. And you're right. And they obviously have that base in midfield of Fabinho, for example, brings that experience that if I'm Jota and I'm in that dressing room, I'm turning to those more experienced heads rather than relying on my ego there. But easier said than done, for sure, especially for someone to get to the top of that level. Jota obviously applied his trade and proved himself in the Scottish Premier League under Celtic, but a lot of experienced heads, a lot of egos in that locker room. So definitely watch this space. Nick, I want to switch gears a little bit because it's easy for us to always focus on the big four. You and I kind of expand it to the big five because we show some love for Al Etifak. But I want to talk about domestic transfers as well as those clubs that aren't owned by the public investment fund. Some big moves there as well. Well, I like the fact that uh, Firas Al-Barikan has made the move. And I really think that once again, we're seeing I think the benefit of these superstars coming to the Saudi Pro League and and their experience. Now, this is a young man. He's only 23 years of age, 32 caps for the national team already, six goals. He's already scored, I think, three goals this season. Um, and I, I just, I just got this feeling that under, under the the management of the German Matthias, he's looking at Farak and. He's seen that this is a very versatile player. Does he love playing down the middle? Of course he loves playing down the middle, but he can play on the left, he can play on the right, and uh, he's going he's gonna to learn from certainly playing with Firmino. And think about the two wingers that he's potentially understudy for. So Maximum and, <laughs> and Mares. I mean, how much are you going to learn from playing with these players? I mean, I, I just think he is going to be the domestic signing of the season and at 9 million euros i mean when we look at the 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 market overall his age his international experience 9 million euros is an absolute bargain yeah, Nick, I love the fact that you're shouting out a domestic player. Obviously, it's something that you and I have talked about since episode one of the Saudi Soccer Show about the influx of these foreigners into the Saudi Pro League is only going to elevate the performance of the national team. And that's why you give that shout out. I also want to shout out the talent that's gone to clubs all throughout the league, not just the PIF clubs. For example, I already talked about Yannick Carrasco moving from Atletico Madrid to Al-Shabaab. Fans might have also missed the movement of Damari Gray, who is an electric player from, they signed him from Everton to Al-Etifak. Obviously, there's a little bit of a Scouse revolution at Al-Etifak. Steven Gerrard is the manager there. Jordan Henderson signed. Damari Gray coming from Everton. There's so many incredible moves elsewhere throughout the league. I want to give a shout out as well. I mean, we see players like, for example, let's let's pick on gosh, Musa Dembele went from Lyon to Al-Etifak. That's a big signing. Juan Mi, the left winger. He's only 30 years old is on loan from Real Batiste to Al-Riyadh. There's so many signings throughout that you're talking about putting someone who's played in the Europa League or players who have played in the Champions League alongside Saudi internationals. It's not only just good for the league, it's good for the clubs, and it's for sure good for the individual players. And that's for sure going to translate to the national team. 
Oh, with, without a shadow of doubt. You know, the, the Saudis were on the road, actually, uh, over the international break, uh, played South Korea and uh, lo lost one nothing. And in, in fact, they probably did uh, a certain Jurgen Klinsmann a favor. Klinsmann was under intense pressure from the uh, South Korean Football Association. And rumor had it, had they lost that game, he would have been fired. So Saudi Arabia, though losing, certainly made Jurgen Klinsmann a winner. Yeah, which is an interesting observation because we saw this international break. Friendly results can matter. Germany did not hesitate to get rid of their manager. So a lot of movements even during there. But you're right. It's going to be fascinating to watch that progression as the international season takes hold. I think we've got another break coming up in, gosh, October, probably again next month already, which... Yeah. Too fast. We need more club football in the calendar. But Nick, I want to talk about transfers that weren't. You talked about Mbappe already. He's one of so many. Mo Salah, of course, are the two big names that almost came to the Saudi Pro League but didn't. You already alluded to it. The door is not necessarily closed on moves like that. What are you looking at in the future? What's one transfer that didn't happen that you wish that it did? Let's talk about those near misses. Yeah, and I, and I think you mentioned it at the top of the show, uh, Jaden Sancho. Uh, what an unbelievable talent he was for Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, an English lad, and I think we we spoke last week actually about the the struggles that English players have actually had moving abroad and settling in. Well, he moved abroad to uh, Borussia Dortmund as as a teenager and absolutely lit up the league and was quite potentially the best player in the German Bundesliga for two three years. Moving to Manchester United, something's gone. Something's gone completely amiss. Uh, the relationship with Ten Hag has absolutely broken down. Is the Saudi Pro League a good destination for him? I actually think it is. I think he either he either goes back to Germany and Dortmund, or he makes the move to the Saudi Pro League. Now, with the money that he's currently on and the transfer fee that I think he would generate, something in the region of forty to fifty million. Euros, I see the Saudi Pro League as being a great destination for him. Um, we did allude to the fact that the window will again open in three months' time. Uh, Sancho will certainly be leaving in that January window. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm going to come back to Alexander Mitrovic, who proves strikers as especially if you're an attacking player and you want to show that you've still got the goods. I can't help Nick. I was rooting for it. Listeners have heard me bring it up every single episode. Anthony Martial. If I am Martial, I'm on the outside looking in in the French national team squad. And I think if there's one thing we learned over this international break, it's that coming to the Saudi Pro League is not the end of your international career. It could be the spark that reignites your international career. So if I'm Anthony Martial, come January, if I'm still not getting game time, obviously United, he's behind Rasmus Hoyland in the lineup now. If I'm a player like Martial, I'm looking at what Mitrovic is doing and saying, gosh, I can bang the goals in. I'm looking at these goal difference columns. I'm looking at the goals scored. Let me ply my trade there, work my way back into the French national team. He's young enough. It's not the end. The Saudi Pro League is not your final move of your career. And I think that's something we're going to see as time goes on. Yeah, it's certainly not a final destination. I think one other player that really piqued my interest was uh, another PSG player, uh, not Mbappe, but his teammate Marco Verratti, who I've been a big fan of for many years. Um, El Hali, they were definitely interested in him. Uh, 40 million euros might be a little bit expensive for a 30-year-old, 
But I would not be surprised to see that move happen as well because PSG are in a complete rebuilding mode. Uh, you know, they spent probably more money than the Saudi Pro League building this superstar squad that other than winning league Un and a couple of cups could never get over the finishing line in the champions league. And that was, that was the big, that was the big project. So I can see that team being broken up and many of their players going, you know what? I fancy the Saudi pro league next. Yeah, on that note, I'm glad that you gave Veradia a shout out because obviously this is someone who is an Italian international. This guy is the real deal and a very late transfer move. Marco Veradia actually did leave PSG this summer. He's playing his trade in the Qatar Stars League. So obviously a little bit of a PSG influence there. PSG is owned by the Qataris, but that feels like a stepping stone for Verratti on his way out of Paris. So a lot to be looked at because we all know that he would excel and for sure fit in with what's going on in the Saudi Pro League. Only 30 years of age. So he'll be 31 come the time of the transfer window. But you're right. There were too many rumors to ignore that. And I think it's going to be picked back up. Well, and I think that maybe the the Qatari League isn't a patch on the Saudi Pro League. That is him going out to the Middle East to see whether he likes it before making the move to Al Yeah, that's a good observation for sure. Nick, the last thing I want to talk about today, because next episode we get to dive right back into domestic action. But the last thing I want to talk about is an interesting concept that I've been thinking about with regards to the Saudi Pro League, which is some of these signings. We've talked about Neymar a bit here today. Some of these signings feel like they're better for the league than they are necessarily for the club. And some people might have thought that when Ronaldo signed a year ago, but I think Ronaldo's proved that he's here to play. I can't help but look at the Neymar of the league who else do I want to throw under the the bus right now gosh I'm just gonna pick on him for right now potentially throw Benzema into this category are some of these signings better for the Saudi Pro League and its international profile than it might be for the clubs themselves you know that's that's a really good point Brian and you know the public investment fund has made a serious financial play in bringing these players to the Saudi Pro League are they doing it on a footballing basis? I'm not completely sure because what we're seeing from, from global football now is that some signings are a geopolitical play. They are about putting your, your country on the map in many different facets. And, and, and one of those facets is, hey, look at our country. Look at what we are producing. Look what we are capable of doing and, and, and look at what we're prepared to sacrifice to get these players to come to Saudi Arabia. And there is a spotlight now on Saudi Arabia that there's never, ever been before. And we're seeing it uh, from their infrastructure. I mean, have, have you seen the, the, the drawings where, in fact, the, the line, this, this incredible building that's going to go across the, the desert, 150 kilometers long, is is absolutely mind-blowing so saudi arabia is is making a commitment to putting themselves on a world stage and i for one really admire that 
Yeah, really well said. And you're right. Bringing up the public investment fund, we can't talk about the transfer window without doing that because it is a strategic move. Strategy, not in the negative connotation, but strategy as in everything that they're doing is intentional. And that's why I think that it's healthy for us to look at things through that lens of what's good for the league, what's good for the individual clubs, because the public investment fund, as the owner of four of the teams, they're divvying up and deciding who's going where. So I think it's important that when we, as football supporters, we've seen leagues all around the world. Obviously, Europe's leagues have their structures. The Here in the United States, we've got Major League Soccer, but the Saudi Pro League is doing things differently and understanding that landscape and considering that landscape. It's going to be an important part of how the league grows, of how the league's culture grows, and of course, how the sporting and beyond grows from there. So, Nick, a lot to talk about in this transfer window episode. Any parting thoughts as we sign off today? Well, I think there's a big game coming up at the weekend, Al-Ali against Al-Tawun. We're talking a top five, top five matchup right here. And seeing how this transfer market has worked out, seeing that quite a few of the players from the top five are still playing international football. They've gone away from their team for the last 10 days. Al-Tawun didn't have didn't have that same inconvenience. So their players have been together. Is this going to be the result that solidifies Altaiwun as a legitimate top five interloper? I think that uh, if you can wake up 11 a.m., that's Pacific time, so it's not too bad. Watch that game. I think that's going to be a big barometer for how Altaiwun is going to do this year. Yes, lots to look forward to, which just makes me realize how excited I am for next week's episode to actually talk about football again. Let the games begin. Listeners, you know the drill from here. Pound that subscribe button wherever it is that you're tuning in. And I'll tell you what really helps us is take the time, leave a rating and review. We are the top ranked English coverage of the Saudi Pro League. We take a lot of pride in that and we take a lot of joy in bringing you this content. So if you haven't left us a rating and review, do that and definitely check out our brand spanking new website at saudisoccershow.com you can send us a voicemail there have your your voice heard here on the air if you wildly disagree with something that nick or i said with regards to transfers in this episode or any episode leading up to this or heck you want to express your views on something new or the weekend's action just go to saudisoccershow.com otherwise we'll see you next week here on the saudi soccer show